0: My boss called me into his office in Nairobi and handed me a list with 112 names on it. He said, Sasha, I want you to go into the Congo to get these people out. This story takes place in February 2000. Congo was at war. The extremists who were responsible for the Rwandan genocide had gathered their forces in the Congo. The Congolese president said that all Tutsis in the country are the enemy and need to be hunted down and killed. People were being killed in the streets in terrible ways. My name is Sasha Chanoff. I live in Somerville, Massachusetts. I'd only been in Africa for about six months. My boss is David Derthick at the time, and he was spearheading this U.S. rescue operation. David said to me, above all, you have to stick to this list. You cannot take anybody who's not on this list. If you try to add more people, the Congolese government, you're going to have to get their permission. And then at the last minute, maybe even on the plane, they'll pull your people off and you won't get anybody out. David also said that he was sending in his right hand woman. Her name was Sheka. So Sheka and I flew into the capital of Congo. We rented a car and we drove out to this safe haven. These big black doors swung open and we drove in. Somebody looked in the car and saw her. And then this whole mob of people rushed around the car and started pushing the car up and down and chanting her name. And I remember David telling me that people would go crazy with relief when they saw us because they think that they're gonna die there. But I wasn't prepared for the fact that there were far more people than the 112 on our list as well. We set up a table and we took our list out and one by one we started calling names of people up there was a guy standing off to the side with this sports coat, and when I asked Sheka who he was, she said he's a Dare. He's one of the killers from Rwanda. And they've probably been sent in to maybe try to assassinate people in this compound or try to sabotage what we're doing. We registered all the people who were on our list. And as we were trying to leave, a guy said, you see that tent over there? You have to go in and look at the people who just came into this safe haven. So I said, we can't take anybody else. But as I was saying that, I was walking towards the tent. And then Sheikha and I stepped into the tent. It felt like time stopped. There was... A whole group of young children and three women, whom we found out later were widows. I mean, these people looked bone thin. They had these just hollow stairs. And um, I remember... Sheikha leaning over to a three-year-old girl who was holding a doll and saying, oh, let me see your doll. What's your doll's name? And all of a sudden the doll's eyes popped open and we realized that it was some baby that looked more dead than alive. The guy who had brought us in said they were in a prison camp for 16 months where many of their family members were executed. We don't know how they survived, but they're here now. And if you don't take them, they'll die. Sheikha and I went to the hotel that night, and we started arguing. She said, Sasha, we have to take these people. And I said, I want to as well, but we can't. We would be risking all the lives of the people that we knew we could get out. I'd never been confronted with this kind of urgent life-and-death dilemma, and we didn't have very much time to make the decision. I decided, we have to try to do this. The next morning, people boarded the bus. An hour later, we pulled into the airport and went right up onto the tarmac. And our plane was right there, like 50 yards away. And I thought, oh my God, we're so close people started getting off the buses and the widows and orphans came and the Congolese immigration officials stopped them. Something was happening, I didn't understand, but I I wasn't allowed to go over there. And I looked around and I saw Sheikha saying something to the head of Congolese immigration. About a minute later, it felt like an eternity. They finally let those 32 off the bus and one by one, we all boarded the plane. I was the last one to get on the plane and then the plane door shut. The engines came to life. We started going down the runway, and the plane sped up. And we finally lifted off the ground.
1: My name is Mami Najurama. I was born in the Congo, and I am one of those 32 people in a tent. I think I was, like, 14. I mean, we were just people waiting to die. It's like we were walking death among the living. I live in Phoenix, Arizona. I have a husband and two children. My name is Ariel. Two girls. I like to do math. You know, I never expect to have this kind of life today. And you add one, two, three it's five. All to do is five. If it wasn't for Sasha today, we wouldn't be here, because he made the impossible choice.
0: When you find ways to assist others, you're really acting as a doctor for your own soul.
1: He went beyond. And he, you know, he was there every step. He would call, he would write us letters. And I can say Sasha is a family. I was always hoping that if I have a boy, I would just name him Sasha. <laughs> the world needs more people like this. Sasha says that rescue mission is what led him to found Refuge Point. It's an organization that focuses on helping the world's most at-risk refugees. Have you ever faced an impossible decision? What did you do? We want to hear from you. Go to wbur.org/kindworld to listen to more stories or share your own. I'm Erica Lance, and you're listening to Kind World from WBUR.